It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello people, welcome to another episode of Premier League Carnage. I believe it's episode 18. Listen, Grid's probably killed me for not knowing the episode, but I, uh, I think it's episode 18. But it's one of those ones where there's so much has happened this weekend. It's been a long weekend here in the UK, obviously, Easter, Easter holidays and that. But yeah, we've got a nice panel here today. We've got Sani next to me, bro. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Like you said, long long bank holiday weekend. You know what it's like in the UK. Everyone's always out. The weather was quite good as well. So just soaking it all up and enjoying the football, especially the games over the weekend, which I can't wait to discuss. But pleasure to be here as always. So looking forward to it. And obviously big up the panel as well. Yeah, big up, big up. Gooney, how you doing, bro? Like Chelsea, I know they're not doing too well. I've seen you come on here a few times when I've not been, you know, on the show. But what are you thinking about the football, life in general? Any thoughts to start off? Football-wise, my football life is shot to death, mate. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. Absolutely shot to pieces. We've now got Super Frankie Lampard to top it off as interim manager. Yep. I'm just... That's where I am with with, with Chelsea. But in life, I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm recovering. I wasn't too well, but I'm recovering well. My kids are healthy. Family's healthy. Can't ask for more. You get me? Thanks for asking. Big up everyone on the panel as well. Pick up. It's exactly there's things that are more important than football. Michael, on your side, is I don't know, man. I see you, you're on the football, you're on the American sports as well. I don't know why you're giving yourself so much stress. But oh, Man United surely helped you this weekend. 
yeah, bro, so nah, it's a lot, bro. I got playoff basketball this weekend. I got we got Premier League. So much, too many sports, too many sports. But nah, yeah. the United back on the clean uh, on the winning mark, six points in a week. And then we obviously had Arsenal, Liverpool get game of the season, arguably. And then we'll talk about the robbery of the season and the other team in North London. So a lot to talk about. Also, big up everyone on the panel as well. Yeah, and then to bring us the proper ball knowledge, you know, it's not a Premier <laughs> League fan. You know, you come from the outside perspective. It's Mo, our, our resident here at Football Carnage. Right, how you doing? How's everybody? I don't like that you just said, oh, just a nice panel. This is a great panel. Just give us the right <laughs> introduction below. Come on. People in the chat, you know, hit that like button for us, please. You know, you hit the like button, we go more and more out to the out world. So just, just do it. Hit that like button. Let's see a 50 like just in the ne next five minutes. It looks like this. It's free. It doesn't cost you a penny. Just hit it. Let the counter count. Go in your burner account. Facts. Just hit that. Facts. Yeah. Don't Kai Havertz the button. Erling Haaland the button. You get me? Yeah. <laughs> Clinical you <know>. finish. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you know, I think that's a good segue, you know, because we'll just start off straight on. The Chelsea, we've got Sani here putting up the same old Chelsea, always losing. That seems to be the theme of the season. And yeah, let's get out the lineups. I've got it here for the Wolves game. And I had my eye on this game, to be fair. I was watching, trying to watch like four games at the same time. I was trying to be like, Mo, I've seen your screen, so I tried to copy it. <laughs> and yeah, like from what I could see, every time I looked, Wolves seemed to be, you know, having fun. That's bro, we got crashed. Me. What do you mean? Tell it as it is, fam. We got absolutely crashed, bro. Yeah, that was a spankage. It was like it was lucky it was one nil to be fair, bro. But flipping hell, we got crashed, mate. And do you know what? You need to show who was on the bench as well to do to, to, to emphasize how much of a tr an atrocity that lineup was. <laughs> Pulisic, Obamiang, you guys can see here, Mudrick, chill on the bench, Chalaba. Zakaria, Loftus-Cheek, Badashile, Mendy. Obviously, uh, you got Thiago Silva, Mason Mount here injured. But yeah, the bench looking very strong. Why? But in terms of lineups, you wasn't happy. You wasn't happy with this lineup Yo. that um, Frank Lampard put out. Hands up here if you think Conor Gallagher's a good football player. <laughs> okay, cool. So that's that's my point number one. Yeah. Koulibaly. To be fair, I think an eight's pushing it, bruv. Yeah, he had, a, he had an all right game. I was surprised to see him start. Kai Havertz, I don't know what he has to do to just get off the pitch, bro. Because his performances as, as of recent are just... Well, not even as of recent, man. He's just not been good enough for the longest, man. He's so inconsistent. I'm just tired of it, bruv. Raheem Sterling... <laughs> bro, it's just an all-round shit show, if I'm completely honest with you. But then, if we're being... If I'm being real, whatever lineup we put out there with the state of affairs that we have, I've got no confidence in it whatsoever. And last time I came on here, I believe I said, I have no expectations of this manager, Frank Lampard. I know why they hired him. And it was quite, it was a bit of a cowardly move as to why they done it. But I can understand why they had to do that because they know us as fans, we're not going to, there's only a certain point we're going to go with Frank Lampard. But if you're asking me, was this guy going to come in and do anything different? Absolutely not. I don't care if there's people calling me negative. I know what Frank's mm -hmm. capable of. He knows what he's capable of. We saw it the first time round. We saw it at Everton. This is not a top-level manager. So I'm not expecting this guy to come in and do anything different. 
Yeah, we're going to keep seeing results like this. This is just a fact. He did yeah. something different, but different bad. So your XG this game went down. Your passing percentage went down. <laughs> your positional football went down. Because I was watching NBC and they have this tactical analysis for the game. And everything went down. Every single statistic in this game for Chelsea went down. And why would you want to... You have the best three centre-backs now. Fofana is fit. Just freaking put three in the back, bro. You have, you have like... What, what are you doing? Like, you have three good centre-backs and two wing-backs that are great. Why are you limiting Reese James playing four in the back? Why are you limiting your left-back playing four in the back? It's unbelievable. And Raheem Sterling is not firing. The guy is Pep Guardiola's player. What are you doing putting him on a wing and asking him to provide to Kai Havertz who cannot play football? Oh, oh my God. God. It's it so sad because it's true, bro. atrocious. And I'm watching the game I had it on the third screen. Every time I'm looking, Chelsea players, they didn't know what to do. They have been playing three in the back since the beginning of the season. And, and again, with Thomas Tuchel, you're coming in your first game and you're telling these guys, listen, I've been here for two days. We're changing everything. You are here. You are there. You are on the bench. But I've been the best player. But she is looking and I was like, I've been good. Why am I not playing? <laughs> Why am I not playing? Reese James is like, oh, I came back from injury. And I've been very good as a wing back. Coach, why are you putting me as a right back in the back four? And you're going to stay behind Raheem Sterling. And I'm like, what is going on? What is this guy thinking? I could have coached that game and put 3-5-2 and at least created something. This is atrocious. Mm -hmm. Joao Felix, left winger. What, what is he watching? Is he watching a different Chelsea? What was what, what, this guy doing? Mo, he he want to be like different. You know what I mean? Like he want to be as exactly what you said. He wants to be different, but he doesn't know how. So he'd be different wrong. Mo, let me tell you something. You see, when I saw Frank Lampard was interim manager of Chelsea, I just switched my phone off and just rolled over and went to sleep. That, 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 that was it, because that's basically our season. Because, look, there's, there's, there's nothing from any sort of tactical perspective that this guy can manage what is going on now. He's basically a PR stunt sitting down at managerial role. This is no disrespect to Frank. I love him as a player, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to people because he's a Chelsea legend at the ability of this man. He has shown every single person here and everybody listening that this guy is not a good manager. I've said several times, even when he was at Chelsea, after he left Chelsea, I hope he goes into recruitment because he might have something there. He has mm. a vision in terms of building teams, but to execute what's needed on the pitch, he definitely ain't it. 100%. Yeah, Sani, just any thoughts on Lampard? And also, because I find it interesting, my own point of view, that every manager seems to always use Kai Havertz, you know, up front. Mm. I don't understand, like, why do they keep doing the same thing and expecting different results? Is it not the definition of insanity? But Sani, what are your thoughts on Lampard and also maybe some of the personnel that's available to Chelsea right now as well? Well, as the chant goes, oh, Roman, do you know what that's worth? Kai Havertz, the best. Oh, listen, they've got that chant right. But there's a reason why it's not getting sung around the Matthew Harding anymore because it's just abysmal. Like, Goonies mentioned it, Moe's mentioned it. It's a shame because Chelsea have a very talented squad. There are still a few pieces Chelsea need to definitely, you know, compete going forward next season, seasons onwards. But it's still a very good squad. But to think that you have three at the back as a perfect formation and you will not play it, either stinks of you being very ignorant or you just don't know what you're doing as a manager. So it's either one or the other and it does not a good look for Lampard. Oh, it's definitely I mean, B. 
definitely B. I mean, Goonies obviously very adamant in its B. I, I probably am in agreement with him. I mean, why Conor Gallagher is playing in that three is beggar's belief. Enzo Fernandez, Kovacic, and then Gallagher. I mean, the first two you're thinking, okay, nice. You got someone who's quite progressive in midfield, and then Gallagher just, I just, I just don't get it. And Kai Havertz, listen, a lot of people have given him time. A lot of people have said, oh, he won us the Champions League, etc. And yeah, granted, you've got someone like on Sterling on the wing who's yeah. definitely not going to be that creative outlet that you want for a Havertz. But to think that Kai Havertz has been here for, what, two, three seasons now, is it, Gunny? And Yeah, three long seasons. Three long seasons. And yes. to think that other than a few games he's really turned up in, it's not really a good look. And listen, Chelsea have a lot of thinking to do this summer. They've got to trim some of the fat, as I like to say, around here. You know, get rid of a lot of these players recruit maybe a keeper a six i'd say and a striker and maybe we can talk about chelsea next season but listen people forget wolves are in a relegation battle to think that they got done like that at molyneux yeah it was a great goal by the way from nunez like shout out to him but to think that chelsea got overrun like that is a shambles and it's not a good look for everyone involved so uh i give my sympathies to chelsea fans because i know a lot of chelsea fans right now and they're not happy with how it's going but all i can say short-term pain long-term gain Facts. They released a they released a video of Kai Havertz in training, and he was banging goals, and I think that's why he plays. I'm serious, by the way. If you play mm. football, and I, I don't know if any one of you played football, sometimes coaches see something in training and they mm-hmm. stick to what they see in training. He has to be scoring goals in training all the time. His numbers must be up in training. Like these are professionals because. It doesn't make any sense that he plays striker with now four managers now or three four yeah, managers. Yeah, every manager. Yeah, like, yeah. So there has to be something in training that we don't know. This guy must be like scoring tons of goals in training, but yeah, it's it's mad. Michael, I'm just gonna come to you on a few thoughts on Chelsea. Obviously, you can give us your overall thought, but on Chelsea, do you think it could get worse for them this season, or is this as bad as it's gonna get? Hey man, I look at the friction list, your fifteenth place don't sound don't sound out the out the sound right now. It's, it's, very, it's very possible. I've seen their fixture list. If, they, if Frank Lampard persists with this 4-3-3, the only excuse he has to play 4-3-3 is if Luis Enrique is already the Chelsea manager behind the scenes and he's pretty much saying start the 4-3-3 so they can kind of get used to it for next year. Otherwise, no excuse to play 4-3-3 because like everyone said, the three-back, they, they need a three-back manager to begin with. That squad is built for three at the back. You have three excellent center backs and you have a couple on the bench. You have the two midfielders, and you have forwards that really kind of need to play in a 5-3-5-2 pretty much because Kai Havertz and Joe Felix, Joe Felix can't play on the wing. We see that. He can barely play in the middle because that guy still doesn't create any chances anyway. I've got an unpopular opinion about Joe Felix as well, but go on. Yeah, we'll we'll I, mean, I saw, it. We'll I saw sure. today that apparently top, I'm t- yo, top bully might have fallen for those aura tweets on Twitter or something because <laughs> I don't get what this persistent with signing Joe Felix for. Probably, it's going to be probably 80 mil signing. Probably, I would say. 86, when you ha- are going to have a better player coming in the summer in Nkunku, because I think for me, Nkunku is better than Joao Felix, based on the fact that he could, he's more consistent with his finishing and he's a better chance creator. Um, Kai Havertz is still probably going to be there, whether Chelsea fans like it or not. That guy's probably just going to always be there until his contract runs out somehow. He'll always survive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, bro. I'm, I didn't watch the game, to be honest, because I don't want to watch Chelsea right now. I have better. Lucky, I have other football <laughs> matches to watch. I have Lucky. better things to watch because... I barely I watched for Potter because I actually I kind of rate Potter as a manager. Obviously, he didn't go right, but I kind of rate his tactical ability much higher than a Frank Lampard, for example. I wanted to see how the Potter project was going, but I don't. Want, what, what am I going to watch for Frank Lampard? Forty three in a system that in a team that doesn't fit forty three. 
There's better things to do. But Wolves, give them credit. I think they're 13th now. I think they're only six points behind Chelsea. It's not that far off. And their squad nine, is probably nine, nine, all nine. time. Uh, oh, what was it? I think Crystal Palace. Eight. Nine or eight points. Yeah. Crystal Palace eight, are, are six. Yeah, yeah Crystal Palace are six points behind now. Um, yeah, 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 Wolves. Yeah. I like their squad. Their squad should not be in the relegation battle, mm. but they did a lot of things wrong. They don't have a striker. Like, they were close. I thought he tore his ACL like three months ago. I'm not going to lie. When he got injured, and he was fine. I thought he was done, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was done. I found out he was fine. Like, before the World Cup. You know, the ones there, when these players, sometimes they think the injury is worse than it actually is, but luckily it's not um, that be, be, bad. Before I, was, we're, I, want, I want to ask a question to Guni since he's the Chelsea supporter here. Listen, Luis Enrique came with a demand this morning. It's reported everywhere. Number one, he wants assurances for time. That means he wants a long-term contract. He's demanding about four players, uh, sorry, six players, a striker, two wingers, a central midfielder, and two wingbacks. That's his demand. This is the, what's reported. And he wants a full control of the transfer market. Do you think as a Chelsea fan, like another long-term contract, and let's get this guy a long-term contract before we see what he can do? Because remember, he succeeded with Barcelona, yes, but he failed with Celta Vigo and he failed miserably with Roma. I agree with you. I, agree with you. I love his football. Like with Spain, he was working with, I'm sorry, like a little bit of a disabled squad. You know what I mean? That the squad is not the same Spanish squad, but he was doing wonders in terms of. But the still, Spain. Played. The difference is, in my opinion, just about in Spain is still always Spain, and they always have like a base yeah. level of technical ability and understanding that I, see I your think point. he can still. Yeah, but if he goes to a Chelsea and he's demanding all of that for me, obviously, Guni, you come in now. Like, I don't think Chelsea. It's not personnel. It's not a personnel issue. It's mentality. I the squad is there. Why are you asking for six players? I'm sorry. You have Raheem Sterling. If you can't work with Raheem Sterling and you work with Danny Olmo in the Spanish squad and, and what's his other, like Ferran Torres, Raheem Sterling has to be a better player than these guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, Danny Olmo is good and all, but this is Raheem Sterling. You're demanding wingers when you have Mudrik and you have Joao Felix that was supposed to be uh, on the books next year. Come on, just give me a break. Well, he's asking too much. And also, you spent $600 million. Can you afford to spend another that much money on, on six players? Definitely not. Definitely not. And I agree with you. Enrique has never been my first choice for, for several reasons. But one of them being he likes to miss profile players a lot. And I've seen enough of that at Chelsea Football Club. I don't want to see it again. Now, look, he's he did a great job with Barcelona, but people, everything has to come with perspective. Look at the squad that he had to deal with. Neymar, Messi, Suarez up top, enough said. Do you know what I mean? He was supposed to win what he won with, with, with that group of players. That's an elite crop of players. Everybody here can agree with that. Celta Vigo elsewhere, quite rightly, like you said, didn't do a great job. Even Spain for me, some of the some of the choices that he made, me seeing Danny Olmo playing that wing back, coming in from the wing, where you know he's more of a central player. I'm not really trying to see that again at Chelsea Football Club. And then this notion of having to spend so much money on that much that amount of players, and considering we've invested in several of those positions anyway, it's not feasible. And on top of that, if he wants to come in and have some kind of control in terms of the transfers, then he's coming to the wrong club because unfortunately for him, we've already got a recruitment model that we've just hired. We're bringing in more people to be in charge of that. So I don't really see how that's going to work. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. For me, let me just give my, my two pieces about this, which mm -hmm. is going to sound strange. I didn't say it before. I think Antonio Conte is the right manager for Chelsea for a year. They give him one year or two year contract. He comes in, 
fix these players, put the winning mentality there. These players, some of them are winners. Some of them like Kovacic, Kante, even Enzo, World Cup winner, Thiago Silva, Koulibaly. These guys are good footballers. They just need the right mentality. Not a long term, just get him short for one year. The squad is built for 3-5-2. Maybe with time, you offload some players. But Lukaku's coming back. Kai Havertz is a striker that Antonio Conte would love to work. He's a big guy. Just he needs a two-striker formation to work with, which is what he had at Liverpool. Oh, and you have Sterling, can be the replacement for Willian at Chelsea, like back in the days. And I think long-term, no, no, like two-years contract, get him in, fix, the, fix the, the mentality in the club. And just move on to a project because it, it, getting someone like Enrique, Enrique a five-year contract might be a big mistake at the moment. Mm. Michael, any thoughts on that? Do you agree? Maybe a Conte-type manager for Chelsea because over the years, Chelsea's identity has been just win at all costs. You know, it's not been about pretty football or that nonsense. It's been about mentality, winning. Maybe Conte is someone who can instill that again at Chelsea Football Club. It's weird because I'm going to assume they're going to offload a lot of people in the summer. They're going to try to sell as many players as possible because they have no other choice due to FFP. And I expect a lot of older guys to leave as well. Like most of Kovacic ain't going to be there in the summer. That guy's been wanting to leave Chelsea for a minute. Mm -hmm. If an offer comes in for Raheem Sterling, I think Chelsea take that offer and sell them, to be honest. I think they'll take it. He's not going, uh, Michael. He's on a 350K. He's not going yeah, unless man, someone offers uh, uh, Nobody in the world would offer him 350K a week for Yeah, that's true. And living What's in cool London, about that money? Like, cool about, like, let's say a Serie A club comes in for Koulibaly, like a Juventus, for example. I think Chelsea will take that offer because of the young center backs that they have in the wings, potentially. So I think, for me, I don't think Enrique is the right manager, but they, I would go more of the project than the Conte because they have a lot of young players. Like the, They spent 100 mil on Mudrik. You're going to have to find a manager that can develop that guy because he's a long-term investment that you made. Marueke, that's another guy. All those guys need real, real coaching. For me, Antonio Conte... Ain't the guy for that, personally, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Enrique is either because he, he wants wingers. So he probably doesn't rate them already. So that's probably that's a bad start to begin with. He doesn't rate Madueke or Mojic, probably. Um, maybe Nagelsmann, but I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to go to Paris, to be honest with Nagelsmann. I think PSG going to go that route with him. Um, for me, I'd probably maybe like the sporting manager. I've heard that Chelsea like him a lot, Ruben Amorim. I'd probably maybe go that route because he plays a threat at the back as well. So he's no, he knows how to coach that. And I just think that he's he's probably more mentally strong than a grandfather, probably. I think Ruben Amorim, I, I trust him more to be more ruthless with that squad. And he's more of the project manager, probably Todd Bully. Because Todd Bully with Enrique or Conte, they're going to fight within three weeks. Because Conte's going to say something to Todd Bully, and Todd Bully ain't going to like it. He's going to be like, get out of my club. And he's going to do the same thing with Enrique, probably, probably a little longer, because Conte is more... Uh, controversial to talk to than Enrique because Conte loves to have a fuss. So I'd probably go the project manager route still, but they need to do their research on it though because they can't go. They shouldn't have their manager chosen already because they need, they need, Tabo needs to get this right because if he doesn't get this right, then Chelsea are in a lot of trouble for the long term because you can't mess up on a manager you'll hire twice in two years. That I don't think that, that's a long time since I've seen that happen at a big club personally. Yeah, just to, obviously, I know I'm wary of time, especially for Goonie, but I just want to get the um, fixtures up that Chelsea are going to have, right? Obviously, the big clash now is Real Madrid. Mm. Is what possible way, because we're talking about the future managers, <clears throat> etc. But Real Madrid just in, what, two days now? Yep. What, how can Chelsea beat Real Madrid? Is there a way? 
with with Frank Lampard at at at, at the touchline and Carlo Ancelotti as his opposite, no, I don't see it happening. And I and it says and I say this like I don't say this with any kind of pride whatsoever. I say this with the utmost realism. You're looking at one of the greatest managers to ever do this in our generation versus Frank Lampard. On top of that, you're looking at the current holders of the Champions League trophy and they've won it serially over the past several years. I don't see it happening. And we're going away to them in the state that we're in. We can't even get a win against Wolves. We're getting done every every single week. We're being embarrassed. How am I looking at this game with any kind of optimism? I cannot. Yeah, Sani, have you got any words of optimism for Chelsea fans in regard to this Real Madrid tie, or are you on the same boat where listen, it's a you might as well just forfeit. You know, just not even play the game. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. Listen, I said another chant before. Got another one for Chelsea from We've got Super Frankie Lampard. Listen, you can sing that as much as you want. I'm in the same boat as Goonie. Unfortunately, in the words of a certain Castillo, it's not looking good, bro. Because Real Madrid, in the form they're in, in terms of they they don't give a shit about the league. They lost at Villarreal at home. They don't care for it. They went to the new camp. Did an absolute demolition job on Barcelona. All they care about now are the cups. And like Goonie said, this is their competition. They're the kings of Europe. They're going to put a performance on. The only way I think. Chelsea can come out of this ties if they lose maybe 1-0, 2-1. They go back to the bridge with something. But the form that they're in, and both well, both teams, the forms that you know both teams are in, it's going to be a very, very long night. And it's a shame because at some stage, I was there thinking, oh, could Chelsea do what they did in 2012? You know, they came through Napoli in that second leg, like they've been Dortmund this time around. You know, they had, a, I mean, they had Benfica and then Barcelona. But that Barcelona side was one of the best Barcelona sides of all time, right? So to think that Chelsea got through that, thinking, oh, could they do it this year? Marcelo, one sec, because Marcelo makes a good point here. Chelsea squad is good enough to beat Madrid five four one formation. Now, I don't honestly, I, I don't think we'll beat them. But if we go to a back five, one hundred percent, I'll feel at least we're not going to get embarrassed. I feel a little more confident with that formation. But Frank ain't going to do it. He's he's not. No, agreed, agreed. I mean, back four. You definitely need to play five at the back. Um, I'd say for me, if I was if I was Frank, just play a very defensive low box park the bus and just look to hit them on the counter because although Madrid have got a very good midfield if Chelsea let's play for let's play let's say for example play Enzo Kovacic and Kante that's quite a good midfield if you ask me I know they got the likes of Cruz and Modric in theirs and probably Valverde is going to come in I think they'll play Rodrigo on the right which does mean they've got pace but if Chelsea play three at the back and they have a very good game Chelsea can play Chelsea can do all right in this game it's just a case of if Frank Lampard puts his ego <laughs> first problem. or the problem is, is the players that we, we we don't have registered for this game. Do you know what I mean? Badia yeah, Shine is not registered. I don't think Fofana is registered. So if we go with the back three, really thinking about it, Thiago Silva's injured. Yeah, really thinking about it. Who do we have to play in there? Kuli Bali, Trevor Chalaba, and probably Cucurella. That would is be Fofana. Fofana's not registered. No, not registered. Oh, he is registered. Yeah, Westerfan. Yeah, Westerfan. not registered. Yeah, Badia is not registered. So yeah, my bad, my bad. But I just think if you go toe to toe with them, it's going to be a very, very long night. If you literally, Chelsea will win the game. Three at the back, then yeah. Whoa, what was I know Mo believes they're going to win. So tell us how. At the Bernabeu. Yeah, I don't know. Mo's got this belief that Chelsea might do something. In some ways, listen. If it happens, Chelsea. They're five, the, five at the back. If they limit the space of Vinicius to run in, you know, in behind, that's the main thing. A lot of these Real Madrid goals you see, even against Barcelona, when they get space, they will kill you. You have to limit the space and then ball. try and score. But the problem for me with Chelsea on my side is that 
Yes, they could limit the space and make it difficult for Real Madrid. But when it's their chance now to score a goal, will they do it? And most likely they won't. And that's why, for me, I don't know, Mo, Bro, Real maybe you Madrid have a different is a, idea. Is a, is a Vinny Jr. Like, Real Madrid against Villarreal, it was all Vinny Jr. And Villarreal created like 50,000 chances in the weekend. Like, seriously. Like, Real Madrid are good and all, but in the competition. Mm. But again, Chelsea squad, if you look at Fofana, Koulibaly, Kukuria, Shilwar, Reese James, this back five... They're better than Real Madrid's back five, back four as well. I'm sorry. They're better. What about the attack, Mo? What about the attack? Who's Enzo Ex- Fernandez. Enzo Fernandez. Enzo, exactly. But that's why, you, again, you can come back to the Stamford Bridge with nil-nil. It is doable. It's 100% doable. I'm sorry. Enzo Fernandez is good enough to stop Tony Cruz. Kovacic is good enough to play against Modric. He knows him from the Croatian team. They are good enough. But again, it's it's Frank Lampard. Maybe someone else. Maybe I coached him this game. Maybe. But seriously, it's unbelievable. Like, the squad is good enough to play this game. The squad, Carvajal against Modric. If you can utilize Modric's speed behind Carvajal, that's an outlet over there. It's simple. I don't think it's that hard. The problem is he's not going to do it, Frank Lampard. But someone should tell him, bro, take this different. It's not the league. Just this is Real Madrid. You're not playing Wolves. You're not playing Crystal Palace. It's a different game. I I think Chelsea have a good squad, especially with Fofana oh. back. I, I rate Fofana. I, I if yeah. Badashiri was there, I guarantee you that they might have come up with a clean sheet. Bro, I've got. You see why I don't have faith in this manager? This is a man that still decides to play Enzo Fernandez as a DM. And when you're doing that, you know you've got Zakaria in the team. Uh, it doesn't, I'm sorry, it doesn't strike me with much tactical sense and I don't really put the most confidence in him going into this game. What you're saying makes perfect sense, bro. Makes perfect sense. I'd go with the back five. I'd go with, um, I know, not the best. Not. I mean, it's, it's the best we have. Not still the mo- most Not the most balanced, but Enzo Kante pivot. I would go with that. I will try and really minimize the goals or win possession up high and really try and create chances that way as well. You know, you've got the balance of two, a great balance of two there. But pff, it's just the front three, man. The front three. I trust Jao Felix in front of goal. No, I don't. Do I trust Kai Havertz in front of goal? No, I don't. Do I trust Raheem Sterling in front of goal? No, I don't. <laughs> who else is who else is left? Mudrich. Obamiang, is he registered? I'm not, sure not registered. No, no, Obamiang yeah. is not registered. So, it's the problem. Yeah. Sure, that's another thing. Yeah, the, maybe the players you should have like a player like Obamiang, as, as maybe useless as he is in 90% of the general play nowadays, he can get you a goal. And that's Grand one of the screwed up. Grand Potter yeah. really screwed up. He really What's screwed this? up in some of these registrations. Before I go, the reality of the situation is, and this is where the fundamental problem is, in that lineup, in that back five lineup that should start, three players I trust in front of goal the most are defenders. Ben Chilwell, <laughs> Reese James, and Fofana Rufuset piece. I think that just sums it up, honestly, on the Chelsea Thank front where... Yeah, big up. Yeah, honestly, big up, Green. If you want to obviously leave now, you can. If you want to join us now, because I think we'll move on to Brighton versus Tottenham, which was, yeah, an interesting game. Yeah, but big up, Green, man. Yeah, man. Respect to everyone. Mo, hope to see you again. Big up, everyone. Michael, everyone, man, on the panel. Big up, everyone in the chat as well. Hey, thumbs up the thing, innit? Thumbs up the video. Yeah.
Show some love. Subscribe as well if you are new. Peace up. Bless, bless. All right, man. Peace, peace. But yeah, as Sony's put here, VAR robs Deserbi's Brighton. And yeah, we can get into the referees. Let me get the lineup up right here. What lineup? Don't talk to me about the lineup or anything. (laughs) This is a disgrace to football. I'm watching this game. This disrespect to everyone that turned on the TV and everybody that went to this game from away fans. Come on. You cannot be that incompetent. Three goals, the three of them, like the two goals and the penalty, the two goals are 100% correct. That, that handball on McAllister is inconclusive. There is a clear angle that shows that it really hit his hip, not his mm. hand. Why are they calling it off? And also that penalty, how, more, how, how clear can it get? It cannot get this. I think the referee got distracted with the with the, with how Tottenham want to be in the top six. I think with the fans, I think this something has to be investigated there because I think this is unfair for Brighton. They were pushing for Europe. They want to keep Tottenham on the toes of like the Man United and Newcastle. This is unfair. This is a disgrace. And also performance-wise, Tottenham don't even deserve. You know, sometimes you you perform well, but the, and, and the decisions go your way. Tottenham yeah. didn't perform and the decisions went their way. And it's not even one decision, three decisions. This is garbage and this game should have been rescheduled and should be replayed again. Listen, I did a video today on my channel just talking about this. Um, for me, honestly, it's getting to the point now with VAR and the referees where before I was thinking maybe they're just incompetent, they don't understand football. And then when you know they watch a replay, sometimes they give, they give themselves more and more doubts because sometimes you watch something in slow motion so many times that maybe you're seeing it differently each and every time. I don't know. But it's got to the point now where, for me, this is suspicious. That's all I'm going to say. On my, on my channel, use a bit of a stronger word. It started with a C. But this is looking very suspicious. And, Michael, I don't know if you're getting the same feeling as me. Do you think the referees are... Are they doing this just because, let's say, they're stupid? Let's just say they're stupid. Oh, it's or are they doing it a bit for something more sinister? Those 3 p.m. games in England are blacked out, right? So they're not, they're not yeah. on TV. I oh. you can find every single game there's some kind of weird decision in every big six every top six game it happens it's happened all year because they're not on TV it's like I'm telling you the Premier League the refs just run with narratives it's just it's a narrative they just make the decision based on narratives nothing to do with football and we're gonna talk about the Liverpool game with the Andy Robertson the refs and the players have a big issue where they don't like one one another right now the, the, yeah. like with the Mitrovic thing the eight game ban Robertson the elbow it's a whole thing and the ref the Prem needs to do something about it. PGMOL coming out with the apologies every time you get char- every time you go up to a ref you get charged seventy five k it's a whole mess right now they need to like in terms of VAR they need to not allow refs to be in charge of VAR they need to find an outside neutral perspective to put in charge of yeah. VAR to make decisions because it's not like you could say like the refs the decision the decision VAR is made by Premier League refs it's not made by anyone else so it's the same ones that make the mistake on the field that the next game where they're ahead of the VAR they'll make the same mistake so it's, there's no consistency. But like Mo says, Spurs did not deserve anything. The, only, the one goal came from Sun scoring his first goal in like three months, it feels like. And then the Harry Kane goal. Brighton were absolutely dominant the whole game. They deserve to be the goal. The hit with McAllister and Matoma, where it hit pretty much his bicep. They dominated them. And it's a shame because Brighton, honestly, through pretty much since World Cup, they've probably been the third best team in the league, to be honest, in terms of consistent performances. I haven't really seen them play like a bad game, really. Um, and it's a shame because if they won that game, their top four push would have actually been very legit. Because very, I think they would have been only four points off of us, and we play, and we still have to play them at the Amex. 
So it was a serious top four push. And I'm sure a lot of people want to see Brighton in Europe because they're a team that, for me, if they go up against, maybe not in Champions League, but in Europa League, I don't think any team really wants to play them in Europa League because this is a team that knows how to dominate the ball, are really good in transition. They know how to defend. It's a really good team. And the Premier League with the narratives of the big six, even though Spurs shouldn't even be a big six club, and they probably won't be in the next couple of years. So they're doing this just to help them for this year when they're going to be kicked out by Newcastle anytime soon. So it's just a disgrace for the Premier League. It's just annoying. And well, we can't really do anything about it until they change. But will they change? Probably not. Son, did you have that same perspective maybe as us? Because for me, as I said, like I, I think it's like these referees are just... Yeah, it's beyond incompetence now. But from your side, do you think it's... What do you think it is, really, in terms of these referees? I mean, some of what you guys are saying is true. I mean, I know Michael's a big NBA fan. I know, you know, NBA refs can also be known to, especially in the playoffs, favour certain teams, like the Lakers, for example. But going back to this game, for example, the thing is, I know people would love the aspect of Brighton being in Europe. Like, for example, if they won this game, They'd have been on 49 points, which would have put them one point behind Spurs with two games in hand. That would have been huge. Right now, they're six, seven points behind Spurs with two games in hand. So it's a bigger gap, right? And currently, they're sitting in the Europa Conference League. So these points would have mattered huge. But going back to what Michael said, I know Spurs are in the big six. But as much as it would have been nice to see you know, these teams in the Europa League, etc., the fact of the matter is the Premier League is built on big brands. And whether people like to hear it or not, Spurs is still a big brand. They're still a bigger club than Brighton, no matter how what spin people put on it. They'd rather see a bigger club in these bigger competitions. Now, I'm not saying there's a conspiracy or there's something going on behind the scenes, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know the, whoever was on VAR that day was like, oh, it's not really that dodgy. It was clear cut, let's be honest. It was a stonewall penalty. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, they didn't check it. I mean, I got a chance to watch obviously Bilal's uh, video earlier make sure you check that out people on Bilal's channel and you did mention some very good points like especially with the Liverpool one that was like we're gonna get onto it later but that was that was frightening man like seriously like what do people what are people seeing but I just think like I said the Premier League's built on big brands and people higher up maybe would want to see Spurs rather than Brighton in these competitions in my opinion I don't I don't want to see Spurs. Not us. We're football fans. We're football fans. We don't care about don't what goes Spurs, through the balance sheet. We don't care about Spurs, that. I don't think Spurs play good football. I don't think Spurs are, are entertaining. I don't think Spurs deserve to be there, to be honest. They don't. They just don't. And, and Brighton have been robbed of nine points this season with official apologies. Nine points with That's official crazy. apologies. That's crazy. That would have been in the so Champions imagine, League. Yes. Imagine, right, with official apologies. Not like us fans discussing... Yeah, <laughs> saying it, it's official apologies from Howard Webb or whoever is is is, mm. is managing this. It's unbelievable. They don't deserve Spurs to be in that position. And I'm sorry for any Spurs fan. Your club is gonna go out of the top six. Newcastle has taken the spot. Yeah, and if you, I've read a few things now about the Newcastle takeover. And if I didn't realize how much the British government actually wanted it to happen, they said, like, if this doesn't happen, this could damage relations between the UK and Saudi. We need to make it happen. So, listen, is yeah, even though Tottenham today are being favored, this is why it's a long term problem for even a team like Tottenham. Today, you might be favored, but tomorrow, these same referees might decide to favor another team because they think they're going to benefit the league or they're going to benefit them more. And that's why I don't know, something needs to happen. I like Michael, your point on the VAR that it should go to a neutral, you know, perspective, you know, because... What do you mean? The time they, what, what does that like mean? To, 
to like uh, to like not the actual refereeing people doing it because it's the same referees all doing the VAR. One day it's I don't know. Lee Mason's gone now, so I'll just use him. One, One day it's Andre Mariner, the other day it's Michael Oliver, the other that other guy is uh, what's his name, Craig something. I don't yeah, know. But man. that's what yeah, happened. They're all, they're well, all the same mean, people. That's what happened. But think about it. No, they need to change that. That's what I'm saying. They need to change that. They need to stop having gang, refs in VAR. Let's just say if you're a gang, yeah, if you're a gang, you 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 run this particular area, right? Oh. Are, are the government gonna let you be the police for your own gang? No, the referees need their own police. To actually, you know, check these decisions in real time. There is a, uh, even... there's, a be- there's a better word, Bilal. Accountability. Mic, uh, mic them up so they are accountable for what, what happens. If you mic them up, mm. they can lie. They can't they can say, well, it's not clear, so we're just going to call it this way. It can't happen because they know that people can hear them. They I should see mic your them point, up, but that cannot we need happen. Them competitions. It, cannot, we need... it cannot happen. It cannot happen. They can never, never give the bar to an independent contractor. It will never happen. It probably will never happen. They'll never give up that power, but it's probably something that, you know, that would be good, man. I think for me, I'd prefer, knowing that it's not them checking what's going on would be better as a fan that you know that these guys who are now checking their VR, they haven't got any bias, right? Or they're paid not to have bias. And I think that would be good. I think Kevin here saying, yeah, like an independent group fully focused solely on VAR. In my opinion, I don't know, this is just quickly before we move on. I would even scrap the VAR. At this point, I think it's even, I think it's it's worse for the for these referees in particular. If we're going to keep these same referees to have VAR, I don't know if it's something that we should have going forward. Automated offsides, 100%, if that's going to ha- be ha- a thing. Goal line technology, 100%. But even VAR, these guys, I just don't... I don't know if anyone has an opinion whether we should just scrap it. Because I watched today the championship. I'm watching non-league. Handball's handball. Goal's a goal. If and if it's wrong, I don't care because it's football. And it's not science. If a, if a referee is doing his job honestly and he makes a mistake, I think people will be more than happy you know, to accept that. But when you have VAR and they look at it time and time again, it starts looking so dodgy. But you know what? Uh, we might as well move on otherwise yeah we'll just start well I'll start just talking about this all day but yeah the next game we'll talk about is Man United versus Everton and this was a interesting game like what was um, Sean Dyche doing like, I, uh, Everton Everton thought they were going to get something out of this to start with and then yeah Man United just yeah took over Michael any thoughts on it I mean, like you said, yo, Sean Dyche pulled up to Old Trafford with like a mid-block, high block, high line. I don't know what he was trying to do tactically, to be honest. This guy, I don't know what happened in the tactics room. Yo, maybe Frank Lampard was the Everton manager that day. We just didn't know about it. He was managing two games in a row. Who knows? Because that was not Sean Dyche ball. That's not what I was expecting. I was expecting the nastiest low block I've ever seen in my life. Mm. <laughs> but he didn't do that. He came to Old Trafford with the high line. That's probably one of the worst decisions you can make when you don't know how to play a high line. Like, I understand if Arsenal, the big six come to Old Trafford with the high line because they know how to do it. Not some relegation team. That's not how it works over here. With the same main United from like four or five years ago. This is a new main United. Wow, just comfortable win. Um, We should have had four goals in the first half, but these players don't know how to finish their dinner. Is what it is. I'm used to it. That's why we need to sign a striker in the summer or just more forwards in general. But I was happy with some of the performances. I said on Never Found on Saturday with Bruno Fernandez. That was a quarterback performance. I was like watching Aaron Rodgers just dot the ball. It was beautiful passing. He was just pinging, 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 pinging. And Everton probably helped a lot with that because there was, they left so much space for the passing behind. It was good good to see Jaden Sancho have a better performance. That's two back-to-back good performances. That's nice to see. It also kind of shows with him that the more possession-based football we play, the better he'll look. 
because if we're going to play on like on a counter-attacking system, he has no spot in this team because he is one of the slowest wingers I've ever seen in my life, personally. So he needs to be as close to the box as possible. Otherwise, pretty much useful, uh, not that useful. Um, center back duo Maguire usually gets a lot of uh, blame and stuff like that. He was really good. I think Ten Hag talked about his performance. He dictated from the back, stepped across the attacker. So that was good to see. Obviously, he wasn't the best opposition because that Sims guy was at Sunderland three months ago. He was he was, he was hooping with Ahmad. Now, he's not a Premier League level striker, to be honest. No disrespect to him. David De Gea, you know me. I'm probably his biggest critic of all time. There is not a bigger David De Gea hater on this planet than me. That pass to Anthony was really good. Not even just because of the pass, the proactiveness from it. I didn't expect him to actually make that pass. It came out of nowhere. Like, I didn't even, not only anyone in the stadium, because you were there. I don't think you expected David De Gea to make that pass right away. So that's good to see. I hope to see more of that. Should he still be here next year? Absolutely not. But that's another discussion for another day. <laughs> um, yeah, just good performance. But I know what I know what it's like at Old Trafford. We always win at Old Trafford, pretty much. We've only lost there one game this season. That was the first game. Next four out of five games, I believe, are on the road. Can we can we replicate this Old Trafford form at Old Tra- at away? Because we probably need what three, four more wins to secure top four. We're gonna ha- and we have two of our biggest uh, top four opposition is away. Spurs away and Brighton away. And Marcus Fashion might not be there because I don't know what's going on with his groin. I, th- I know he did he did a scan yesterday. The results haven't come out yet. I hope it's just a tweak. Maybe we can last without Rashford for the next three games. I think FA Cup game is the fourth game away. We need Marcus Rashford for the FA Cup, and we need him after that because we can handle Sevilla without Rashford, and we can handle Forest away because Casemiro's back. Just don't get a red card, please. I would like to see Casemiro on the pitch for more than two games in a row. And yeah, but. We have a tough run coming up, and we're going to need our best forward for it. Otherwise, it could get, we could go from having two trophies on top four to just a trophy if because things are still in the in the mix of the balance. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at your run here. I've scrolled down um, quite a bit. Let me just go back up. So you've got Sevilla, Forest, Sevilla. Okay, cool. Chelsea game postponed. So that's going to happen at some point as well. So mm. you're going to end up playing Brighton in the Cup. Tottenham, Villa, Brighton again, the Prem, West Ham, who are probably fighting for their lives. And then I'm guessing that Chelsea game, obviously. So it's not an easy run. It's not an easy run. But Sani, are you confident that this Man United team, because if you have your first 11 fully fit, right? Yeah, it should be no problem. But will this team stay fit? Number one, I see Martial coming back. Will he stay fit? Nobody, nobody knows. Sancho, hopefully, you know, he gets a bit of form for you guys. Rashford, that's a question mark now. What do you see this Man United team doing over the next, you know, few months? Well, next two months, really. No, it's it's a very good question because, like Michael and obviously you have alluded to, fixture congestion is a real problem for us at the moment. Rashford's got injured. I mean, it was good to see Ericsson come back. I mean, like Michael mentioned, I was at the game and that was a relief because we are definitely lacking midfielders. Obviously, Casemiro will be back midweek against Sevilla, but we definitely need midfielders because you could tell in that game especially I was worried because I was thinking mm, Anana Gay and Awobi at the 10 could be a long day for us but you know we handled, handled it well I mean I know obviously you put up the uh, lineups and I was surprised Fotmob gave Sabitzer a 6.8 I thought Sabitzer was probably one of our better midfielders that game I think he was great that was probably one of his best games so far in Man United shirt the way he managed to deal with them physically and even going forward he was playing some great yeah. balls um, but I was really surprised with Everton. I mean, going into that game, I thought, oh, it's going to be a dogged game, like Michael mentioned, low block. But when I saw the first ball that went over the top for Rashford, I was like, how much space are they giving him? Like, seriously? And then Anthony had a few chances. I mean, shout out Jordan Pickford. He did make some really good saves for them. But some of the finishing was atrocious as well. I was just there like, 
my God, I know people are speaking about oh, Rashford could be the number nine going forward for us, but that's the kind of game where people go back to the whole, is Rashford really a number nine if his finishing's like that? But listen, it was a good win. It's good to see Sancho back on the uh, score sheet. Well, score sheet, more like assist sheet. And like Michael mentioned, he ain't quick, but he's very intelligent. And that's what a lot of the, you know, styles, especially play-wise anyway, that's what he was trying to do in that game. It was very cute passes, especially for that McTominay assist. It was a cute pass. Like, I didn't even think he was going to pass it. And I was like, oh my God, what an assist sort of thing. But listen, let's see what happens. Away from home, like Michael mentioned, is our kryptonite. At home, we're fine. Severe Thursday, we should win that game. Forest away. Listen, they've got they've got the best record when it comes to the relegation candidates from home this season. So definitely not an easy place to go. But we get through that. Severe away. Brighton. It's tough, Bilal. It's tough. And that skit, that three game, well, three game. I think it was it Spurs, Brighton, Villa. Villa are Villa are in incredible form at, at the moment. Yeah. Brighton away, tough. Spurs. Listen, I'm not looking forward to it. I think we'll have enough just to get through. Just because I think Ten Hag will have a plan. But it's not going to be easy, my friend. Yeah. Mo, on Man United, do you see them keeping that top four position? Do you think the Europa League might be a distraction? The FA Cup, if they can win these trophies at the end of the day, especially the Europa League, because if you win the Europa League, you get top seeded, right, in the Champions League. So there's a big incentive, actually, to win that competition now. Do you think they'll be distracted to, or would you think they'll be fine in all of these? No, they will be distracted. No, they will be distracted. They will be distracted with the Europa League and the Cup. Uh, Eric Ten Hag would want the Europa League more than the top four, like this, mm-hmm. just because of the top seeded thing. But however, this Man United team is two different teams: team away from home and team at home. Like again, is Fulham at home dominated? Fulham? No, no, no. Yes, in the cup you didn't, but I think no, they dominated us. They dominated. They dominated you in the cup, mm-hmm. which is the only game. But I see other games you make teams look really average at home. Brentford, you dominated Brentford even though you won only 1-0. And, and and I don't know what happens when when you go on the road against the team, the top 10 teams. You just go back to defending. You're not playing good football. And if listen, if Man United allows Spurs to get that top four... It's a disgrace. Ten Hag should resign. Oh my God. Let's put it this way. It's that bad. It's that bad because Spurs have a terrible run-in. And it's it's the same as Man United. Man United are like what are they, like six three points with a game in hand. They should definitely get that top four, man. Spurs shouldn't be there, but to be honest, if Rashford is injured, it's a big problem for Man United. Massive problem, but Casemiro is coming back. Listen, Tottenham are weird when it comes to top four. Uh, to be honest, right, I think I saw enough in that Brighton game to know Tottenham. <laughs> top four, they might just do it because they've got the strikers. Kane, son, the goal he scored. Shout Oof. out to that. It was a great. Oh, come goal. on, don't 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 get carried away. Don't get carried away. It's a one goal for son. Yes, he has it in his locker, like what he did against Leicester. But his his performance overall in this game, by the way, was absolutely terrible. Son lost the ball most of the time. He got it. It was bad. Apart from the goal, it was bad. But again, apart from the goal, this is the thing. These are players who they don't even. They don't need to play well. The club doesn't even need to play well. But somehow they could maybe find a way to sneak up there. So it's something to look at if you're Man United, especially if you're playing them. That means you don't, minimum, don't lose when you go to Tottenham. Minimum. We got to beat them. Nah, right. no, we got to beat them. A draw's not good enough. We got to beat them there. There's no excuse yeah. not to beat them there. We have to well, no. beat them there in top four is wrap because they're not going to come back from that. But we must beat them. Because our game in hand is... There? Yeah, go ahead. Because our game in hand is Brighton away. I ain't confident. I ain't confident we're going to be Brighton in the cup or in the league, to be honest. Because I see us going out in the semifinal FA Cup, especially if Rafford's not playing. But that Brighton team, 
they're the type of teams that we struggled against are the type of team that Brian know how to play because they know how to play ball, they know how to press, and we don't know how to handle press because if Bruno Fernandez plays this D. Oh, oh, he's gone. He's, he's gone. gone. And and he's gone. Yeah. But think yeah, about it. Man United Michael... play the first game away in the cup. The first game away in the cup. I think they're gonna lose to Brighton. I I have doubts about Sevilla without Rashford, to be honest. I've doubts about Sevilla without Rashford, but they should they should actually win against Sevilla. But Man United, listen, what a disappointment if they don't make top four and they don't win the Europa League. What a disappointment it will be because they were in poor position. Yeah. Because third. they were in really good position, uh, like about like five six weeks ago, to to make that to make it theirs. They were in title race. You remember title race? Exactly. Life comes at you quick. It really oh, like we haven't even played our full starting eleven yet. That's the crazy thing. We haven't had a game of our full starting eleven yet all season. Our strongest starting eleven hasn't played this season. That's crazy. What's your full starting eleven? With the hailing goal. Martial. You're talking about Martial. Yeah, Martial and the striker. I don't care about Marcel. He's injured all the time, bro. No matter, but we haven't don't, don't we haven't even him. seen a game of it. Forget like a five game. We haven't seen a game of it. He should have That's been sold in the summer, and he should have had. Well, he should have been. But even this is the Rashford guy you sent to Sevilla, man, and he got booed. even Rashford, Sancho, yeah. Anthony. We've only seen it like six, seven times. I had to see Wolf Weckers for twenty games in a row. Do you know how much of a criminal <laughs> offense that is, man? Twenty games. That's a long. That's half a season. Nah, nah. You know what? Weghorst, Man United fans were gassing him until he touched the Anfield. You never walk alone. No, I was, I, I was gassing him for the first game, and then I saw him run like t- uh, Gary the Snail from SpongeBob, and then I gave up. Uh. <laughs> Weghorst uh. did his job for two million. You're not gonna get a better two million loan signing. Abubakar would have done better. Yeah, hey, listen. I was gonna say that because I saw one goal he scored for Besiktas. Abubakar. Oh my! This guy. Him versus Salah as the Cameroonian Bubakar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He ain't losing 7-0 Anfield against Salah. That's Salah's biggest hater. He's dropping a hat-trick on Salah's head. I promise you. (laughs) Man United, to be honest. Man United, to be honest, should make top four. And they wouldn't make that final Europa League. They're going to go out for Juventus or something. I I think so. Uh, Another, yeah, Juventus for me. I've got them as favourites for Europa League, but we'll see. I think Juventus is the way. Mourinho, Roma. Don't don't sleep on Mourinho. Roma's the one. Roma's my fear. Italian team. So one of I'm scared of Italian. Juve. One I ain't scared. Of, I ain't scared of Roma. I'm scared more of Juve. Oh, Roma's on the other side, bro. <laughs> the other yeah, side. if we get to the final, nah, no, yo, our our pace and power will be too much for that club. No, nah, Juventus. Yes. Juventus, I'm scared of because they got they got winners on that. Yo, Di Maria scares me. That guy will come to Old Trafford and drop a brace on my head. It's it's very not out of the realm of possibility. But Roma, I'm not scared of. Yeah, oh. but we we'll allowed see. to Any... speak on uh, on on Liverpool Arsenal at all. Yeah, no, no, of course, man. We're moving on right now. So Liverpool at Arsenal, classic, I'm hearing. Okay, Sonny, okay. So apparently it's a classic. But yeah, it was a good game. Not for me. I wasn't really enjoying it. But yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was just one of these games. Arsenal, well, Liverpool 2, Arsenal 2, Arsenal go 2-0 up, right? Everything's looking good. The sun's shining. The birds are singing. And then all of a sudden, you know, they score one before the break. And that second half was... Wow, that was one-way traffic. I know we had a few chances, but really and truly, like we held on. And I just want to shout out Ramsdale before we do anything. Ramsdale, you made it so my weekend wasn't, you know, completely ruined, and we got out of there with the points. So I'll take that. But Mo, any thoughts on this game? Is this a bad point for Arsenal? Because listen, I'm talking to Grizz yesterday, and he's telling me now Man City are favourites. Man City are gonna win the league. Even Omar was telling me the same thing. Is this? Do you believe this as well? Or do you think Arsenal can recover from this? Actually, it's not done. Yeah. Let me just tell you something. Man City lost. 
right? I am full. So it's a number one, it's a point on the board for Arsenal because if you ask Arsenal fans, they say yeah, we were not expected to win at Anfield because nobody won at Anfield. Man United lost seven. So nobody's expected to win at Anfield. Uh, number two, uh, from 2-0 two po- up, you should see the game out if you want to win the Premier League. And Arsenal didn't. So that's two points dropped. So you can look at it both ways. But in my opinion, it's a fair result. I know people don't look at the stats and say Liverpool deserve to win. However, that first half, Gabriel Jesus had two chances to make it 3-0. And he didn't. And the game would be over. One of them was a very easy chance at the far post. And he chose to go mm. dive in with like his leg. And I just like, why would you do that? Uh, because he, he's not an actual number nine. Like he's not a not number nine. Yeah. He's a false nine. Uh, about the second half, I, I want to say something about Liverpool creating chances. So they created chances, yes. But Ramsdale saved that one-on-one from Nunes. And if you put Nunes against Ramsdale in the same chance about five times, probably he would miss three. Uh, because that's Darun Nunes. Uh, Mo Salah missed the penalty. That's kind of strange. However, he missed the last penalty as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, the only chance that I think that it was supposed to be exact, like 100% goal is the Kunati Kuna- chance. Oh. That, that chance was like kind of... It's not... Ramsdale saved it, yes, and it looks good, but it should have been a tap in, to Definitely. be honest. Like, it's not like because... So Mo Salah missing the penalties on him. Darwin Nunes missing the chance is because Ramsdale came up big and saved that, 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 that chance. But that Kunati chance is kind of strange. However, just t- 20 seconds later, Martinelli should have passed to Saka and it would have been one and one. Oof. And Martinelli missed it. So when I say fair results, I'm not looking at the stats. I'm looking at what I saw. What I saw is Darwin Nunes, he is not, for me, not it yet. So I would back Ramsdale to save that one and one against him. I would back it. Mm-hmm. Mo Salah missing the penalty. I completely forgot about it because the game was too quick. Uh, and again, I want Liverpool fans. I know a lot of th- this is Grace's channel and Liverpool fans are going to say, yes, we saw a lot of signs in the second half that we're back, we're back, we're back. Mm-hmm. Until I see this two, three games in a row, I'm not going to say, yes, we saw the Liverpool that, w- that, that can do things. We saw the Liverpool that can run and, and cover ground and everything. That first half at your ground, is shambles. And also, that Liverpool dismantled Manchester United 7-0. And the games after, they were done. So I'm not sitting here and saying, yeah, Liverpool are back, Liverpool are back. Based on what? Based on one half? You're going to give me 45 minutes and tell me that, yeah, we're back? Ah, I don't think so. I think they need to put in some good performances before I say they're back. Yeah. Sonny, do you think Arsenal were maybe lucky or do you think it was a overall in the 90 minutes was it a fair result 2-2 and everyone's happy with that in the end it's tough to say fair because although you guys were exceptional that first half an hour which I say it to everyone you know being a Man United fan going to Anfield is the hardest thing in the world and what you need to do first 20-25 minutes you need to subdue that crowd Arsenal were unbelievable and should have been probably 3-0 up I'd say but like Mo has mentioned both teams had some very good chances. I know people are going to speak about how Liverpool had eight big chances and obviously XG and all that will come into it. Ramsdale made some great saves. But I think going to Anfield and getting a point cannot be understated. And I've done some research as well on the weekend. In the previous 20 seasons, so like excluding Liverpool, tw- the lesser look at the last 20 winners of the Premier League, 15 teams have either drawn or won at Anfield and they've gone on to win the league. 
So only five teams have lost to Anfield in that season that they've won the league, mm-hmm. which is a pretty damning stat because it goes to show, one, how hard it is to win at Anfield or get, even getting a result at Anfield and still win the league. It is the hardest league, hardest, hardest stadium to go to in the Premier League and get a result. And listen, I think fair result, fine, potentially, especially at the end when Ramsdale made that wonder over that deflected shot of Salah. Canate missed that sitter. But I think Arsenal fans should be happy because so many years have gone by where you've gone to Anfield and got smashed. I remember 13-14, you were in the tri- title race that season. What happened? You got smashed 5-1. Uh, 07 08, you drew. 15-16, uh, you drew. All these games, you were in. The, all these seasons, sorry, you were in the title race. And it didn't really happen. But this year, I still think it's in Arsenal hands. Because people got to remember, fine, people are saying, oh, City have got easy fixtures, etc. But if Arsenal win their, all their games, they still win the league. You still have six points on City, regardless of City have a game in hand. Points are not the same. Sorry, more having more points is not the same as winning games, right? You need to still win the games. It doesn't matter about games in hand. So I think Arsenal should be happy. I mean, I might be biased here because I'd rather Arsenal win the league than Man City. But I just think going forward, it's a point game for Arsenal and Arsenal fans should be happy that they've gone out on field without losing because that's a big result. Yeah, Michael, do you echo the same thoughts as Sani there? Or do you look at it like maybe Arteta could have done better, Arsenal mismanaged the game, and to be honest, let maybe let Liverpool win too much in that second half? How do you see it? Um, In terms of the first half, the first 35 minutes were probably the best I've seen an opposing team play at Anfield in front of a full crowd. That was utter domination. I mean, but the warning signs were still there, though, because Robertson missed a sitter and Salah missed an easy chance. So the warning signs were still there from, like, Liverpool, but I thought Arsenal dominated like Mo said, Gabriel Jesus probably shouldn't have made it through nil. Uh, Jesus and Martinelli were absolutely exceptional in that first half. Martinelli was on it. He took Trent within the first minute. So you knew it was going to be a long day. It was also interesting to see Klopp use Trent in midfield. Because from the like, fifth minute, I'm like, why is Trent so inverted? But it made sense because Konate handled his side. That was one of the best center back performances this season from individually. Because he was a yeah. monster. And he was holding his center back partner's hand all game, in my opinion. Um, But from... I know people are going to say, like, Jaka incident. For me, I don't think it was that. I think people are... Because it was Granit Jaka that did it because he's known for the controversial and the, uh, what's it called, anger that he usually typically had in the past with the red cards. That it was Granit Jaka, but I don't think it was that. It was just Liverpool got a little jolt from it. But if you think about it, in that incident, Ben White got a yellow... Oh, uh, I think, no, Trent got a yellow card. So, in a way, it worked because that means you, your most frightening attacker in that game Got, and then his opposing fullback got a yellow card. So that probably means more advantage to Arsenal than Liverpool, too, if you're going to be honest. Um, and then the second half, remember the game at Old Trafford when it was 1-1, right? And then Arteta made the subs? Yeah. He did the same mistake. That keyword guy, why was he on the pitch? The guys played like two games for Arsenal. He, this is a this is a big game. This is meant as a game that one of the big one of the last few games that could really determine Arsenal's like challenge. Obviously, every game matters, but this was like an important game in the title race. Why are you bringing that guy on? Because for me, Rob Holding was actually having a good game until he conceded the penalty. But bar that, I thought he was a pretty decent performance for, for Rob Holding's standards. Yeah, for his standards, yes. For his standards, obviously. It's a big downgrade from Saliba, but Rob Holding held his own for most of that game. Why is that QR guy coming in? Um, I thought because Ordegar, he has no thought, option, Mike. Mike, because he has no I, option. No, but he invited the pressure by bringing on another center back. Yeah, I yeah, think, but he wanted the center back and he looked at the bench and he saw one. yeah, yeah. I I, just, I don't understand the, the point of bringing on a center back is my point. I don't think he should have brought one on. Um, mm-hmm. Odegaard should have been subbed off a lot earlier because that guy was poor that game. I don't think well, – I thought Odegaard – you know, Odegaard at away games, he's a really good player. But there has something to be said. Odegaard away games against big six, under the lights, ain't the best player. So he has that to work on, in my opinion. 
I thought Saka was poor. Um, I, I don't think he was good. But in terms of Liverpool, I thought, like Mo said, the second half, bro, we saw against Man United. You beat your biggest rival 7-0. And the week after, and six days later, you lose to uh, was it Bournemouth away. So this is Liverpool. At Anfield, they're going to look good, and then they'll go away from home and then look crap. Because they carried the chances. I thought Ramsdale, that was probably one of the best goalkeeper performances because that save, that deflection save, usually when it, when it takes that kind of deflection, it makes it so much harder to save. Exceptional save. The Konate miss is unexcusable because I don't know how Konate didn't score that. But in the balance of things, I thought Liverpool personally deserved to win a little bit more, but maybe like 55-45 because they did dominate more of the game in terms of the chances created. But I thought it should be two points job for Arsenal because if you go up 2-0 in any game, you're expected to hold on, especially a team of your caliber. It's not like some, it's not like some, like remember when Bournemouth went up 2-0 at your ground? They're expected to drop that 2-0 lead at Arsenal away. When you're the champ, when you're champions elect, you're the first place team, you've been the best team in the country all year, you're expected to not drop the point. Same thing as Man City. Man City went at Anfield, they went up 2-0. They're expected to close out that game. No matter if it's Anfield, no matter if it's Santiago Bernabeu, whatever stadium it is, you're expected to hold on to that lead. And you should have gotten the third goal to cancel out the game, and you didn't. So, I guess. But I know some fans are happy with the point because, at that, like Sonny said, it's not easy to go to Anfield, especially even if you're first place. You, you, it's easy to drop points over there. But because now you – it is technically still in Arsenal's hands, but now it's – you. everyone said that if Arsenal messed up one time, it goes into City's favor because a lot of people were predicting City to beat Arsenal at the Etihad. I don't think Arsenal will beat City at the Etihad because I know a lot of people say it's the empty hot and everything. Every big game that Man City have at home, they win. They don't lose big games at home. They're in championship mode. If you look at the last, I think Pep has amassed the most points in the final 10 games of a season more than any other manager. In 2018-19, that Liverpool City title race, they ran the table. I think personally that City will run the table the rest of the season. I don't think they're losing. I think Pep has found a solution for himself and for his team. So Arsenal fumbled. And it's now in City's hands. So now you have to go to Etihad and you have to get a point. Yeah, you yeah. have to get a point. Bilal, I, I want to yeah. ask you a question. If, if, if you didn't watch the game and I told you mm. that your team, Arsenal, were 2-0 until minute 45 and then yeah. it was 2-2, would you feel happy or not happy? If I didn't if I didn't watch the game, I would not be happy, obviously. I didn't answer or anything. You would say... Yeah, no. Yeah, if I didn't watch the game and I didn't see the have the context behind it, then I wouldn't be happy. But my initial feeling, as soon as the game finished, was like, Phew, we got away with one today because we should have lost. And that was obviously off the back of that Salah and Kunati chance. I, when thing is for me, when Martinelli had the ball, you know, towards the end, I didn't fancy him to make the right pass because he's not that type of player. So it's one of those, I, I don't know, for me, I, I didn't, ex- I thought he was going to continue running with the ball and then give himself an easy pass. He should have. Left. Yeah, that's what I thought he was going to do. I didn't expect him to try and do like a, a long pass. I, I thought that's not his game. If it was a Trossard, if it was a Smith Rowe or some someone like that, okay, they can get away with maybe doing that. But honestly, for me, it's weird. The day after, so this is day after, right? I'm sitting here and I'm thinking now, you know, Arteta, I feel like kind of cost us the game more, more than yesterday. Yesterday I said he made a few mistakes, but today I've got that feeling where I'm like, damn, you know what? I think Arteta messed up a lot because in that second half, right? He could have made a few subs, like Jorginho was one player. Why is he not getting a look in to come in, control the game a little bit more, help us out in the middle? When he brings on Trossard, is it the right thing to take out Jesus? Because even though Jesus wasn't winning the battles against Kunate and Van Dijk, right? The one thing he was doing was actually making them actually have to do something. When Trossard comes on and goes in that position, like there's, there's nothing happening. There's no battle. 
maybe Saka should have come off, right? Because Martinelli obviously was the best attacker out of the three. Mm. He should stay on the pitch. Maybe a few things like that. Going to a five at the back. But you know what it is? It comes down again to the experience of Arteta in these sort of moments as a manager. When we went to Man United away, the same thing. The subs were wrong. And against Liverpool, like Jurgen Klopp made like four changes. He brought on Firmino. He brought on Nunes. He brought on Thiago. He brought on so many. He kept on trying to change the atmosphere and change the trajectory of the game. But Arteta, for me, just was waiting way too long. And he he, he does this in general. Right? He's not someone who makes a lot of subs. Even Pep, Pep's the same. He doesn't really make a lot of subs. But in that sort of game, when you do make the sub, it has to be effective. It has to work. And you bring on Kirill, who he's played. He hasn't even played two Premier League games. He's played, if you count the minutes, it's probably less than 45 minutes now altogether. Because I think he came on against, was it Bournemouth towards the end? Played, I think, against Sporting in the Europa League. And, and then now against Liverpool. But yeah, for me, the day after, for, for me, for weirdly enough, feels a bit worse than yesterday. I don't know, as a fan. <laughs> like yesterday, I was happy with the, not happy with the point. I was relieved that we got the point. But today, when you analyse it in the in the cold light of day and you try and see maybe what Arteta could have done better, there were so many opportunities, I think, that he could have got control of the game properly and then maybe get us a, a 3-1, you know, when it's 2-1, make it 3-1 instead of it becoming 2-1, then 2-2. But yeah, that's just, uh, that's just the way I feel right now. But... I Let don't like Klopp subs yeah. either, though. I don't like Klopp subs either. I thought, until you brought on Firmino, I thought Firmino was his best sub, but I thought Curtis Jones was playing better than Thiago, to be honest, in that aspect. Mm. I thought Curtis Jones was better. I don't like the Thiago sub because he's trying to actually speed up the game and he's going to kind of simplify the game. He was trying a lot of cute passes. And actually, when you look at Klopp's subs, Arsenal, mm. actually, in that span between the Klopp's first sub and until he brought Firmino, Liverpool had no shots. So it was kind of when Arsenal regained the advantage of it. I think yeah. in that span, you had the Gabriel free header that uh, Allison saved. So in that sense, Klopp's subs weren't good either. But I thought the biggest mistake was not begging Zinchenko off for Tierney because Zinchenko was getting cooked for a lot of that second half. A lot of damage was done from solid mm. 1v1s. And Tierney is a much better 1v1 left back than Zinchenko because Zinchenko, we all know how he loves his inverted runs, kind of stick in midfield. He's not really your traditional fullback. We, listen, and I thought just he, a button. Sorry, just a button. Honestly, for me, watching Zinchenko yesterday... I thought he was having a good game, you know, until that, until he got done by Trent, yes? And maybe, yes, you could bring on a teeny last 30, 25, 30 minutes to try and close the game on that side. But I honestly thought Zinchenko was doing all right. And By the way, he got this... done. He got done between his legs, which happens. I don't get it why yeah. people have, like, a lot of criticism for him. He actually closed his legs. Uh, like, credit to Trent to put it between his legs for a mig like this. But it's not like he went flat-footed. He was, like, closing the angles. And then Trent... But sometimes you got to applaud the moment of genius instead yeah. of just criticizing the other person. Because I thought he, he blocked that side. Him and Gabriel, to be honest, controlled Salah and Chint during probably 80 minutes. So I don't get it why people want to criticize him. If you want to criticize, criticize Trent for that first half shambolic defensive performance. The guy is flat-footed, doesn't know where to stand. He is not a right back in a back four. He shouldn't be. But I don't, I don't get it. There is a massive backlash. Again, it's Dinchenko on, 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 on all the social media for some reason. Yeah. But everybody gets dribbled. Yeah, honestly, for me, when I was what when it happened, I was like, oh, come on, man. Why are you getting done? Like, it's a goal. But I never blamed him, Zinchenko, for that. Because I honestly, was, during the game itself, I was like, yo, Zinchenko's actually having a really good game. He, Salah's not really getting much of a look in. Gabriel as well is helping out. He's, Gabriel, again, monster performance for me. You know, he's what about Firmino, Belal at the far post? What about Firmino when you have four yeah. defenders inside the 18 and Firmino wins the header against Ben White, Kirill, 
It's a holding and Gabriel. Come on, you want to blame the fullback that got dribbled and and before the cross? Come on, just this is not every player is gonna win every single one-on-one battle. Not it's not gonna hold it. Holding is a concern though going into this run-in. To be honest, I don't know what the time frame is on um, Saliba, but. Listen, he he is an issue, especially if you're going to go to Newcastle away, City away. And even then, I'm pretty sure you've got Brighton at home. I'm not saying Arsenal are an awful side at home, but Brighton are still a good side to play, whether that be home or away. It's not yeah, going to be an easy game. game. And 100%. holding someone that, listen, fair play, he's come in and you've got to do a job when you're there. But at the end of the day, if he... If he has another game like that, I think at Anfield it's going to be it's going to be an issue. Whether you put Ben White in the middle, and then I don't know how how I don't know if what's the issue with Tommy Asu. Is he injured for a long? Yeah, period he's out for the season. Out for the season. And that's the problem. It's hard to find right back then that you can put there. So it's it's tricky. But holding holding for me is is, is scary because, like I said, I might not have a dog in this fight. But I'd rather Arsenal win the league than Man City. So what I'm saying, Bilal, is that's I don't know if you can get to that changing trouble. room. Yeah, I don't know if Bilal can get to that changing room. I mean, Moan agrees with me as well, but you need to. Just say to Arsenal. No, it's a worry. Win the league. I think, I think now with Saliba, it's a case of for me. I wouldn't even risk him. Let him rest until that Man City game. That's like that's the target because we have got West Ham and Southampton next. Holding can play in those games. That's fine. But it's those high level games when you go Liverpool, when you go mm. Newcastle, you go Man City. Those three games in particular, I don't trust holding that mm. much. And even the penalty yeah. gave away, even if it was soft, it still gave away a penalty. But quickly, guys, let's just touch on um, the Man City game as well because you know what they're clicking into gear. They're looking good and. You can see even the formation that Footmob's got here. You can see what they're doing. Like it's interesting. Before the game, Pep's talking about Carl Walker. He says he cannot do it. You know, in terms of the inverted right back role. But John Stones, the guy is cooking. Grealish is looking. Yeah, Grealish is looking good now. Yeah, he's waking up. And Harland, this guy is just yeah, he's just a monster. I don't know what to say about it. anyone. He, he, wants, he wants turned. To yeah, no, no. The number one thing is that Pep Guardiola turned into the fifties of football which is five defenders, five attackers. It's, it works like this. He has five defenders on the pitch and he trusts them to defend the whole game and he has five people going forward who trust them to score lots of goals. And it's working. For me, nobody plays this type of football. He has five people. Yeah. like it just, it, it's, it's unbelievable, but it, it's working. Uh, again, Pep Guardiola went back to the system that makes it work against 19 teams or 18 teams in the league. That system works. It's simple. You cannot bypass the press. That means you cannot go one-on-one with the defenders. And most of the teams don't even have the quality to go one-on-one with these defenders and beat them. Diaz, Akanji, Stones, or or Ake, they are good enough to stop any forward one-on-one. And he trusts them. This is not like It's kind of a strange brand of football, but it's working and they're scoring a lot of goals. Jack Grealish now free to, to do whatever he wants with the ball and he's doing what he wants and he's doing what he used to do. Uh, with Aston Villa, switch your play, controlling the tempo, being direct or even being slow on the ball. I like this Man City. It's exciting. It's actually very, very exciting. Yeah, but it's uh, it's kind of st- before I move on. It's kind of yeah. strange to watch this Man City because now the football is predicted and it's ex- it's yeah you can predict what is going to happen in the game. The Man City the beginning of the season, we are like going to the games like oh which Man City is going to show up? This one is kind of like yeah I know that they're going to win. And Isn't that the best the Man City though? That's the best Man City. Even when they had Aguero, Sterling, Sane, I knew how they're going to play. I knew what kind of cutbacks they're looking for. But that's Man City at their best. We know what they're going to do. They know what they're going to do, but they still do it. That's the most dangerous Man City because when they don't know what they're going to do and they turn up 
the result can go any way. But when they have the idea in their head, the picture of how to score a goal, you know, I remember Pep, we did a little interview, said, listen, I teach the players how to play from, like, from the goalkeeper area to the to the edge of the you know the box for the for the opposition but inside the box obviously that's the job of the striker now to finish he's got Haaland now to finish just that last bit of the of the puzzle but Michael on Man City do you see them now just Champions League FA Cup are they the favorites in every competition now that they're playing just because of the way they're clicking yeah, I think they're the favorites of the Champions League. Obviously, they've always been the favorites of the Champions League every year, but everyone also expects them to lose because they're Man City. They always find this one game where they're just going to bottle it. But if they play like this, because this Man City also has a level of pragmatism that other Man Cities don't have. Like, obviously, Suleiman got in behind a couple of times, but that guy's an insane outlet. His pace and the directness is insane, but he has no final third IQ, so it didn't end up really costing them anything. And it might be a trouble in Champions League because if Vinicius, let's say, for example, gets in those positions that Suleiman got, Man, Madrid might score. We saw last year what he did to Fernandinho, and he yeah. sent that guy into retirement and everything. But, now nah, this Man City team is strong. They also have something that they haven't had in previous years. They have Erling Holland, And if that guy one-on-one in front of the net, you 99% of the time, you expect him to bag it. And it's incredible. The bicycle kick, he finally scored a goal that people can say, oh, yo, he's not the simple tap-in. He scored a goal that kind of makes you get out of your seat or anything. Jack Grealish, like Mo said, this is Aston Villa, Jack Grealish. This guy's been their third-best player or second best person to World Cup, maybe except Nathan Ake, who's been sensational. Ruben Diaz is back, and I actually rated that he brought Diaz back because they need a leader at the back. He's a he's a monster at the back. He's a leader. He's aggressive. He's everything that you want in a modern day center back. And John Stones is a supreme footballer. This guy can play any position in the back four, and he can play any position in midfield. And like in the DM, he inverts like because he could do a better job than Kyle Walker. That like that Pep said because John Stones is far superior on the ball than Kyle Walker. He's just incredible. KDB, it's kind of fun. It's kind of easy to do his job when you have early Holland to aim to it, but he also makes some spectacular passes. And it's interesting though, there's no Bernardo Silva in that lineup. I want to see maybe if he actually ever, if he sticks with that, or will he bring uh, Bernardo in for a Gundogan, or will he take out Mars for it? I'm actually interested to see because for me, I play Gundogan more because I think Gundogan is like their best third man runner, and he's probably their best goal scorer outside of like a Holland because he has instinctive finishing inside the box so i'd probably stick with him but it's interesting but pep has figured it out we've all been waiting for him to figure it out we all question whether he'll figure it out with this kind of new player with a holland the more directness player will he be able to coincide with that and he has and now it's kind of scary because from the beginning of the season where people thought maybe city go trophyless they could end up doing a treble very easily now it's kind of crazy to think about yeah sonny do you see them now winning this treble. I know you said you want Arsenal to win the league because you don't want them to do the free peat. Are you worried that this Man City team, listen, they can win all the belts? Listen, you talk about all the belts like it's Roman Reigns and got the Universal Championship. I'm, trust me, Bilal, I'm telling, I'm telling everyone that I'm not looking forward to the next couple, couple of weeks because if they get a three peat with a treble, our greatest achievement, which is the treble, gets blown to smithereens. And the fact that it's during a tri- three peat season... Jesus Christ, it's it's not going to be easy for us. I know there's been seasons, especially the last couple of ones, where it's been either Liverpool or City to win the league. And it's been tough to watch it because people have been asking me, who'd you rather win the league? And it's like, I don't want to choose, but if I had to, I'd rather be City than Liverpool. But listen, they are cooking at the right time. What both Mo and Michael said is very, very factual. I think you've got to give a shout out to Pep putting John Stones as that CDM role. Like That's a pretty, pretty good. I mean, to think that John Stones is one of their best centre-backs 
well, in terms of someone who's fit going forward, because Laporte's never really uh, been always consistently fit, and Ruben Diaz always has his injury concerns as well. But to think that John Stones has now moved into that DM position and he's doing a pretty good job is sensational. And the fact that Carl Walker, right, a player that Pep has always trusted, isn't really getting a look into this system, speaks volumes as to how much Pep probably tries and trusts this system as well. It's going to be interesting in that City game, though. I don't think this three at the back that they've got, if, with two in the middle, whatever you want to say, four in the middle, um, and then Grealish and Morris is going to be the ideal formation in that game. But if that means that he plays this and Arsenal cook them and get a win, then I'll be happy because I'm telling you now, if they get a 3 P in treble, some seriously uncomfortable conversations are going to be had this summer about who's the best Premier League side of all time because that is going to be seriously tough. Yeah, Pep Guardiola, man, he's changing. Well, he's changed football. He's changed football. The way we look at it, the way league titles are for everything. Like he's a, when he finishes, he's probably going to go down as the best manager for me of all time. But uh, Mo, I just want to ask you, literally, just because we're here, it's nothing to do with Prem Carnage. But I just noticed Benfica Inter tomorrow. Any thoughts quickly? What's going to happen? Are you confident in Inter doing anything? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not confident at all. I'm expecting us to go there and maybe lose one nil or. But I'm hopeful that our experienced player might get us through and we get a draw or something there if we win or plus. But if I pick and I put my money, I'll put my money on Benfica because my club is in shambles now. Absolutely garbage football, garbage manager. And the players need to just be slaughtered in a public square from every one of them. I'm sorry for asking. I shouldn't have asked. I shouldn't have asked, man. But yeah, it's it been a good mis- episode. It's, of... it's miserable. It's miserable. Yeah, it's City buys tomorrow, right? Yes, yeah, buying tomorrow. If Inter, I'm very City, unlucky. You know, I'm very unlucky because uh, tomorrow is Inter Benfica, so I'll do a watch along for this. And Inter play Juventus in the second leg at the same time, exactly same time at eight o'clock, April twenty sixth, mm-hmm. when Man City play Arsenal. Uh, they're idiots yeah. they're idiots the people that schedule this are just idiots yeah I, I don't know why Arsenal we played Man City already midweek I don't know why we're playing them again Mid- why can't you just play on the weekend like, it's Premier League it's not it's not Champions they're League they're putting out Peacock here in America too they're not even putting out live TV here they're putting out Peacock they already announced well, that the, the City Arsenal game yeah yeah but it's such a weird time I don't know yeah I don't know but let me just read this quickly here super chat before we wrap up my KFC here says to the panel surely if Pep does a treble free Pete He's the GOAT. I mean, already, in my opinion, he is. From player development to tactics, he's so good. Yeah. For, well, for me, I'll start off 100%. For me, he's already... Um, in term, Yeah, for me, he's already the, the greatest football mind that we've had in the last, what, 20 years. So Only in the leagues. Only in the leagues. I agree. I agree it's, with... It's completely, I agree, it's completely different animal. That people that read games within the game, within, like, uh, uh, inside the game, they are different than the people that create systems. I don't think he's one of the people that read the game and make changes like Ancelotti, for example, that can win you a game or something like that. Yeah, I think even yeah. Jurgen Klopp is a better manager in terms of reading the game within. I think Pep Guardiola is the best ever coach to grace the game with systems and develop players ever. Um, unbelievable. I probably echo what Mo said. I know a lot of people got onto Pep Guardiola about his leagues because he went to Bayern. It's an easy league. Oh, everyone wins it in Spain, etc. But he smashed records in both leagues, came to City transformed City, dominated leagues. Like The fact that Liverpool have only won one in the past couple of seasons is crazy. And to think that, let's say let's say City win, wins it now. They've what, won five out of the six Premier Leagues, which is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And I know he will get judged on his Champions League um, kind of haul. 
But listen, the fact that Fergie only won two in 26 years at Man United, you know, speaks volumes as to how hard it is actually to win the Champions League. So, yeah, great manager. If he trebles and three-peats, though, I'm probably not going to come on a stream for a while because that will be very, very hard. <laughs> yeah, Michael, I'll give you the last say before we wrap up. Pep Guardiola, is he is he greater than Alex Ferguson? You know, if he does even more special things this season for Man City. I mean, he's getting closer in that respect. I think he's a better tacti- tactician than Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, it's a, it's a whitewash in that respect, to be honest. No disrespect to Fergie, but... Just Pep is just much better tactically because we saw what he changed the football. He changed football in England, especially everyone's trying to play out the back now and everything. So he changed that mind. But I don't think he's greater because I think building it, building four different teams is a, something that no one really can do over two decades. And the, the persistent, the consistent success, whether people say refs and everything, it's just he built four different teams mm. and they all dominated. So I don't, I don't think Pep can reach that level. But I think Pep will say that himself. But he's getting closer and closer for it. And Tactically, I don't think there's a better manager ever than him in terms of, like, most of the systems and everything. Domestically-wise, I don't think there's many managers that could beat Pep in the league more than once. I think any manager, I don't think any manager has won the league twice in the same time that Pep's managed the league. I think it's only been one time, so that's just crazy to think about. Yeah, in terms of league football, it's just a stranglehold. Like, even when Mourinho won it with Real Madrid, did he not have 100 points, was it? Like, yeah, Mourinho. This, this, is what, yeah, this is what he forces people to team. do. Was the best goal scoring team in La Liga history. This is what you see Mourinho goal score. This is what he's forcing Mourinho to do. I think that just sums up in terms of leagues. Pep is just like, yeah, he's changed the game. Knockout football, hundred percent. It's a different game, as Mo said. Ancelotti, Klopp, these managers, Mourinho's, they read the actual in-game stuff. But in terms of setting up a plan, yeah, there can't be anyone better than than Pep Guardiola. But anyway, guys, follow all of these guys on their socials. You know, it's been a great show again. Premier League carnage. And yeah, guys, we'll be back with you guys next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.